The uh, book of Obadiah is a uh, rather dramatic example of God's response to anyone who would harm his children. In the book of Obadiah, God is like the godfather, Don Corleone. Don't mess with members of my family. Now, the country of Edom was this mountainous nation. It occupied the uh, southeast portion near the Dead Sea. It was perched with cliffs that went up about 5,000 feet. They had the best military position around, and they could spot an enemy who may be trying to attack them for miles around. And nobody could get to them. At least, that's what they thought. And yet, in the book of Obadiah, God thunders, Though you soar like the eagle and make your nest among the stars, from there I will bring you down. Now, why in the world would God say that? It's because of this. Edom ignored their neighbor, Israel, by refusing to come to their aid when they were under attack. And instead, Edom gloated over their problems. Uh, They captured and delivered uh, fugitives to the enemies. They even looted Israel's countryside. And so Obadiah prophesies that Edom, despite their enviable location of cliffs and mountains, are not going to be able to escape judgment from God. Instead, their blatant indifference, neglect, arrogance, and persecution of God's children will end up with their own destruction as well. So I invite you to join me with that as a backdrop to our first scripture reading as we kind of launch into the book of Obadiah. I'll be reading from chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. You can follow along on the screen. The vision of Obadiah. Thus says the Lord God concerning Edom. We have heard a report from the Lord, and a messenger has been sent among the nations. Rise up. Let us rise against it for battle. I will surely make you least among the nations. You shall be utterly despised. Your proud heart has deceived you, you that live in the clefts of the rock whose dwelling is in the heights. You say in your heart, who will bring me down to the ground? Though you soar aloft like the eagle, though your nest is set among the stars, from there I will bring you down, says the Lord. And friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It was uh, just a couple of weeks ago that uh, two people got into a fight on a uh, New York City subway. After an argument, a man got up and he started uh, punching brutally an Asian woman in the face. And the other riders in that subway car did absolutely nothing about it. They just sat in their seats and they watched it all happen. In fact, some of them even recorded the fight on their cell phone and then later on posted it on YouTube or some of the other social media outlets. And I'm sure if you were to read the newspaper or look on the internet, you would see that there are countless examples of this kind of thing happening across our country. Unfortunately, it happens way too often. People are getting hurt. Some people are even getting killed. And others who are around them are simply watching and doing nothing about it. Why do you think? Is it that we just have this morbid curiosity to just watch? Is it maybe because we don't want to have to pick sides, even though we have no idea what is happening or why? Or could it be 
is that we just don't want to get involved. There's actually this recognized psychological phenomenon called the bystander effect. In other words, people are far less likely to help someone who is getting hurt if there's a large number of people who are around them. But if we're by ourselves, we're more inclined to offer assistance. Well, the truth is, there's really nothing new about this. This has been going on for thousands of years, of course, not recording a fight of a video on your cell phone, but just standing by, just watching, just doing nothing while other people around us get injured or hurt. And that's a little bit of what's going on this morning in the book of Obadiah. Obadiah is the shortest of the 12 minor prophets. It's the minorest of the minor prophets. It's only 21 verses long, so it's also the shortest book in the Old Testament. But in, Ob in the book of Obadiah, Obadiah the prophet brings a word from God against the people and nation of Edom, condemning them for just standing around, for just watching, doing nothing, while Israel gets assaulted again and again and again. Now, you may be wondering, well, why would God so strongly condemn Edom and, and not any other nation? What about Assyria? What about Moab? What about some of the other surrounding countries? Well, let's try to find out the reason to that as I share with you our second scripture of the morning from Obadiah chapter 1, verses 10 through 15. Once again, you can follow along on the screen. For the slaughter and violence done to your brother Jacob, shame shall cover you, and you shall be cut off forever. On the day that you stood aside, on the day that strangers carried off his wealth, and foreigners entered his gates and cast lots for Jerusalem. You too were like one of them. But you should not have gloated over your brother on the day of his misfortune. You should not have rejoiced over the people of Judah on the day of their ruin. You should not have boasted on the day of distress. You should not have entered the gate of my people on the day of their calamity. You should not have joined in the gloating over Judah's disaster on the day of his calamity. You should not have looted his goods on the day of his calamity. You should not have stood at the crossings to cut off his fugitives. You should not have handed over his survivors on the day of distress. For the day of the Lord is near against all the nations. As you have done, it shall be done to you. Your deeds shall return on your own head. And friends, this too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you join me in prayer? Let us pray. God, we are entering a book that is probably unfamiliar to many of us, and yet it is part of canon scripture. It is part of the 66 books of the Bible. It is your divinely inspired word that has something to say to us today in 2022. So open our hearts and our minds to receive that which we need to most hear from you and then to do something with it in our daily lives. Through Jesus Christ we pray, amen. Well, Obadiah is a historical snapshot that has to deal with this feud, this historical feud between the descendants of two brothers, Jacob and Esau, 
who were the twin boys of Isaac and Rebekah. Back in Genesis chapter 25, we learn that Isaac's wife, Rebekah, is pregnant with twins. Here's what it says. The Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. And God was referring to Jacob and Esau. Esau was born first, and he was entitled to his father's inheritance. But Jacob tricked his brother, and he tricked his father into giving him, Jacob, the birthright instead. And as you might imagine, Esau was not very happy about that. And he held a grudge against his brother for many years. Time passes. Jacob gets married. He has 11 sons. And one night he's on the run because he's fleeing from Esau and the men who are chasing after him. He finds himself all alone camping near the Jabbok River. And that night he encounters a man, most likely an angel, And we read in Genesis 32 that Jacob wrestled all night with that man, but he was not able to defeat him. In fact, at one point, Jacob tells him that he won't let him go. He won't let him out of that WWE headlock that he has him in until he gets a blessing. So imagine that. Jacob wants another blessing. And the man renames Jacob and gives him the name Israel, meaning my struggles with God. And so Jacob is now Israel, and Israel descended from Jacob. But what about Esau? Well, Esau founded the nation of Edom, and Edom was also a Jewish nation. But the bitterness between these two nations extends past the lives of Jacob and Esau. Back in 1 Samuel chapter 14, Saul fights against Edom. In 2 Samuel chapter 8, King David conquers Edom. In 2 Kings chapter 8, Edom revolts against Israel. The prophet Isaiah said that Edom was doomed to judgment. The prophet Jeremiah said that God would bring calamity upon Edom. The prophet Ezekiel said that God would lay their towns to ruins. Malachi, one of the minor prophets, the last one we'll look at this summer, mentions Edom's destruction as well as the book of Lamentations. And now here we are in the book of Obadiah. So this book is a judgment against Edom. Now, what in the world did this country do to deserve this judgment? And the answer is nothing. That's just the point. Edom stood by and did nothing while Israel suffered mightily at the hands of the Babylonians. Edom was so concerned with the hatred that it had against Israel that they forgot that they were actually blood brothers. So, what can we learn from this? I guess one thing would be not to just record a video of people fighting on a subway car and then, and then not lift a finger to help. Because, you see, Israel was hurting and their spiritual family did nothing to help them in their time of need. Guess what? The same thing can happen to you and me. Because truth be told, isn't there just a little bit of Edom in all of us? Steve Brown, a Presbyterian minister and author, said something that probably will make us all just a bit uncomfortable. He said, you wouldn't be so shocked at your own sin if you didn't have such a high opinion of yourself. (laughs) See, I I think it's the sin of pride that keeps us on the sidelines 
waiting, watching, doing nothing, while our brothers and sisters struggle throughout life. If you think about it, is there really any other sin that causes more wars, more estrangement from family and friends, and a greater separation from God? Pride causes people to believe that they are inherently superior to other people who, by the way, also happen to be created in the image of God. Pride doesn't make room for anybody except me. It is said that Vince Lombardi, the legendary coach of the Green Bay Packers, had a huge ego. And on one occasion, the Packers won a big playoff game on a last-second field goal. And later that night, Vince Lombardi went home from the stadium, and his wife was already asleep in bed. And he tried to slip in under the covers next to her without waking her up, but his cold feet brushed against her legs. And startled, she woke her and said, God, your feet are cold. And Lombardi said, honey, when you're with me, you can just call me Vince. <laughs> he tried to slip under the covers next to her without waking her up, but his cold... <laughs> Try it again. Is this thing on? Okay, just making sure. I need an applause sign, exactly. That's right. Well, the eight o'clock people got it. <laughs> Pride, ego, arrogance, people who think a lot about themselves and a lot of themselves. It's the belief that the world revolves around me, or at least that it should. As someone has said, the proud are often in error, but never in doubt. Now, some of you may be thinking, well, John, I hear what you're saying, but what's, what's wrong with a little pride? What, what's wrong with, with a job well done? And we need to remember that pride does come in two editions. There's nothing wrong with taking pride for an accomplishment. There's nothing wrong with standing tall and brave and, and looking sharp and hearing those words, the few, the proud, the Marines. But we also know there's another kind of pride, right? That self-congratulatory, arrogant, pompous self-righteousness that says, I'm better than you, and I don't really need to do anything for you. The way I think we combat against the sin of pride is in the humility of doing something with our faith. See, we just can't pretend to hear it because there's always the risk that it's going to go right in one ear and then out the other. And you can't come to church here and just be a hearer. In Latin, the word uh, for audio is hearing. And back in college, there may have been a class that had some uh, interest of you in terms of your uh, fascination with the subject matter. But maybe the professor had a reputation for being a hard grader and, and you didn't want to jeopardize your GPA. And so you audited the class. You were an auditor. You were a hearer, and you know what? That meant you didn't have to do the assignments because you were simply auditing the class. Well, I apologize for having to tell you this after you're already here today, but you can't audit God's class. If you showed up this morning, if you're watching at home, you have to do the assignment. God is holding you and me accountable to not just talk a good game, but to walk our talk. 
God wants us to take the, the leather off of our Bibles and turn it into shoe leather in our daily living. In the New Testament, in James chapter 2, he writes, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Now, the Greek word for deeds is the word erge, from which we get the word energy. In other words, if there's no energy to our faith, if, if nothing happens as a result of our faith, then what good is it? And so you can't just say, oh, come on in. Let's have a prayer together. Let's, let's bow our heads. Let's hold our hands. Let's sing kumbaya. God will make it all work out. And then we don't lift the finger to help. Then we're not showing care to our brothers and sisters and the neighbors who are around us, the ones who are in distress. And so, friends, my word to you this morning is don't be an Edom. Don't just stand idly by and just watch. Follow the words of Obadiah. Get up. Get off the sidelines and do something about it. In the movie Free State of Jones, Matthew McConaughey plays a defiant Mississippi farmer by the name of Newt Knight. He led this extraordinary rebellion against the Confederacy during the Civil War. And although he was serving as a medic for the Confederate Army, he was still vehemently opposed to slavery. The point is that Newt Knight would rather help the wounded than, than fight the Union Army. And so after his nephew dies in battle, he returns home to Jones County to, to safeguard and protect his family, but then he is soon uh, branded as an outlaw deserter. And so he's forced to flee, and he bands together with some local farmers and some uh, slaves out in the swamps. He then launches an uprising that leads Jones County, Mississippi, to secede from the Confederacy, creating a free state of Jones and forever changing history. Things happen when people get off the sidelines. Our nation's conscience was raised, laws were challenged, and people's hearts were changed. It's all because of a Mississippi farmer by the name of Newt Knight decided that he was not going to be an Edom. Now, the world to which God is sending us to is, is not a pretty sight. Some people, I think, view the church's task as mission impossible. There's secularism, pluralism, relativism, the ever-popular postmodernism. We have all those things to contend with. We are living in a post-Christian, post-denominational society. We live in fear and the uncertainty of an unsteady economy. There's friction between police and minorities, protesters in the courts. There's turmoil across the globe. Well, 2,000 years ago, Jesus commanded us not to forget to love our neighbors, to love our brothers and sisters. And guess what? He's still doing that today. And I believe that post-pandemic, this church, Chestnut Level Presbyterian, can do great things for Jesus Christ here in Quarryville and beyond. And if we have amazing courage and faith to get involved then wonderful things will happen in the name of God. The power of God will be unleashed. People's hearts will be transformed. And lives will be forever changed. May it be so for each and every one of us as we go out in his power and name. Would you join me in prayer? Let us pray. Lord God, here we are. And if you need us, 
We're ready. We are ready to get off the sidelines and into the game. So send us to people who are sad and help us to come alongside to comfort them. Send us to people who are depressed or discouraged and help us to encourage them. Send us to people who are tempted and help us to be an example that strengthens them. God, send us to people who are looking for signs that there's a God who cares and help us to love them with your love. We pray today for this church, Chestnut Level Presbyterian, and all the people who are a part of your calling. And we thank you for the privilege that we have of going in your name and in your power. And it's through Jesus Christ, our Lord, that we pray all these things. Amen.